Journeying Beyond the Storm, A Traveling Guide for Executives and Managers by Maurice Velasquez. Dedication to my wife, Leah, our three wonderful children, Nathan, Becca, and Nicholas, without whom much of what I do would be impossible and who inspire me every day. To my mentors, David Sharota, James Barnes, and Hank Linden, who taught me much of what I know about business and leadership. And to my parents for always believing in me and encouraging me to press on. The content, the table of content, are the following chapters. Storming is impeding your growth. Chapter two is a highway of communication. Three, the journey. Chapter four, the travelers. Chapter five, the GPS roadmaps. Chapter six, building the highway. And then staying the course, followed by appendix A, B, C, and D. Chapter one. Storming is impeding your growth. The definition of storming, a forceful disturbance of the atmosphere accompanied by harsh conditions which threaten or cause damage. For example, we may weather the storm, but only if we're prepared beforehand. Storming is real. This is almost as much a law of the business world as it is a law of the natural world. Like in nature, getting past the business storm is where the things become clear again and the journey becomes pleasant. But storming is what keeps our business from growing. It is indeed one of the primary and unsolved problems which stunt corporate growth. Therefore, if you want to grow your business, you must learn how to reduce and get past storming. In his seminal work on team development, Bruce Tuckman defines storming as that phase in the life of teams where the internal workings become dysfunctional and the breakdown of communication hinders them from growing or getting to the next level. Tuckman says storming is unfortunately the phase in which most companies find themselves. You may have referred to it as something other than storming, but everyone knows how storming feels. Consider your own storming experience. Before storming happened in your company, the company was formed and it was growing. It enjoyed a great degree of teamwork, collaboration, and decision-making that stimulated growth. Although at first there were differences, the teams were able to make quick decisions, brainstorm in unity, and progress effectively. The culture was productive, and although things may have seemed chaotic, because everyone had to pull their weight and wear many different hats, there was a spirit of teamwork that made the growth not only possible, but enjoyable. Then something happened along the way, something you were hoping would happen, and that is you grew. The company grew. Your teams grew. The number of employees grew. Your work grew. Perhaps even your office space grew. Even now, your company may find itself in still a season of growth. But things are a lot more difficult now. There are a lot more conflicts to work through. What happened to communication? Communication now seems all over the place. You're not on the same page as you once were. You aren't even so sure you're in the same book. You're still growing, but you've hit some kind of plateau that no longer allows you to move quickly with efficiency and order. Executives are involved in much more management that is healthy, and managers attempt to work and communicate across departments, but without much success. What happened to making good decisions? Agreement on decisions is now harder to reach, and when things do get decided, you find little buy-in and accountability. Project implementation now requires much more energy and conflict than it used to. Decisions are now having to be made suddenly with just a few people driving everyone else, and these are usually last-minute decisions on the fly, placing things on a constant state of change. The rest of the team sincerely asks one another, what's going on around here? The answer, in short, you grew the company well, but now that you have grown to this level, your teams are not able to work as harmoniously as they once did. 
What happened to meetings and processes? Well, you've outgrown your processes, your systems of communication, your decision-making, and perhaps even your policies and procedures. It is very difficult to get everyone on the same page anymore. Meetings are not as effective. Everyone now only uses hurried hallway conversations to make decisions. Some people are told of decisions. Others may play catch-up. Email is overused and directions and decisions are now only announced, whereas they used to be collaborated. There seems to be different agendas, different timelines, and different points of views of how things ought to get done. And what happened to direction and growth? You know you should be able to get to the next level, but something is not allowing your team leaders to work as well as you once did. Your bottom line growth may be a fraction of what it once was, or your bottom line is growing, but your internal corporate turmoil is growing along with it. You may still have a good culture, but you know there's a prevailing sense of discontentment and everyone feels that is no longer able to move forward together toward clear goals. Employee morale is waning. So are you in any of this? If you are, you're storming to one degree or another. So what's your plan? You must get out of storming. You know this. If you don't get out of storming, several things are guaranteed. You will have to be satisfied with limited growth and limited results. Ideas and innovation will remain stifled. Problems will go unresolved and employees will start to leave or worse, they will stay, but they will stay disengaged. Employees oftentimes leave because they feel no one's listening anymore. Things get unbearable and they're willing to jump to another company for a few dollars more or sometimes for less or equal pay so long as the teamwork environment is better, calmer, and healthier. This is how storming becomes your biggest liability, the cause for stunted growth and ultimately the cause of losing your business. You must get out of storming and you must learn how to deal with it well each time it occurs. But how do you get out of storming? Chapter two, a highway of communication. Before the interstate highway system was built, the country had grown to be a formidable war power, but with new technology and bigger demands of national security, it was necessary to establish a more organized level of transportation. So in the 1950s, the United States Congress, being prompted and persuaded by President Eisenhower, established the most important transportation infrastructure across the entire country. This is the interstate highway system. The system of transportation has allowed millions of people to move themselves, their families, and their products and cargo across state lines with an incredible amount of ease and efficiency. The automobiles are all different. The people are all different. The products and cargoes change all the time, but as long as the highway system remains, everyone using it can be confident they can get to where they want to go much faster and much more effectively. Since its earliest days, the highway system has matured. Signage has increased. Road quality has improved. It is now paired with the latest technology accessible in our hands, and companies have flourished along this major economic lifeline. So when we talk about our companies journeying past the storm to next level growth, we're talking about laying a similar improved framework and structure of communication upon which we can drive all different kinds of issues, problems, projects, and solutions easier and better. We are in effect creating a communication highway system for our business. So as long as this communication infrastructure is in place, we can move things back and forth, create improvements, and even consider stacking systems upon one another, perhaps like we see happening to the interstates in major cities like Houston and Los Angeles. As long as corporate alignment gives us the structure we need, our teams can discuss anything, collaborate on anything, and figure anything out. But if the highway of communication breaks down or bottlenecks, everything goes back to storming. Maintain the highway and everything becomes easier despite the task at hand. 
In each of the sections below in the rest of this chapter, we will discuss how to set the journey, how to have the travelers work better with each other while on the journey, how to use the same roadmaps to give everyone better direction, and how to lay down the highway infrastructure so that the journey becomes more successful and enjoyable for everyone, especially our clients. I don't promise storms will ever end, however. Quite the opposite. Storms will occur as you grow and sometimes bigger storms. But with new collaboration and better disciplines on your new communication highway, you will not stay stuck in storming. You will move to establish and organize growth. The goal is to decrease unnecessary storming, move faster through necessary storming, and steadily grow your teams, your operations, and your bottom line. So let's get started. Chapter 3. The Journey Like on any trip, you have to set the journey and set the big picture of how you plan to get from A to B. At this point, you don't get too deeply into the details because you're only mapping out the big picture. But setting the picture is important because if you can agree on the basics, the journey will be possible. This journey of growth has two directions, your executive goals being communicated down to the teams and your team's problems and ideas being communicated up to the executives. This may seem basic, but often storms cloud our focus. Our focus should be on reaching company goals and taking care of the needs of our frontliners and customers. That's the journey. And in order to weather any storm, we have to regularly be revisiting and realigning all we do to our goals. This means fixing things that are broken, things which keep us from moving ahead. Here, we need to ask ourselves two questions. Number one, do we have our six to 12 months executive goals or list of top projects clearly defined and published? Number two, do we have a list from the frontliners of the problems, ideas, and issues that need to be addressed or fixed? The reason to start generating this document is so that everyone can have the same direction and focus. Company goals must be regularly communicated to the teams. Likewise, problems, ideas, and issues from the frontliners must be regularly communicated to the executives. With the basic journey set out, we can then discuss how the travelers work better together to make this journey possible. Chapter 4. The Travelers The travelers are the team members in the organization, including executives, managers, and frontliners. Just like on a trip, when the travelers get along, the journey is pleasant and successful. Anything is possible. So to help the team work better together, the next step is to define the roles of the travelers and how they're to participate in the journey together. The following graph gives you a visual aid of the alignment model, which can help everyone stay focused on their roles, help everyone stay in their lanes, and help everyone support one another in their respective areas. First, the circle at the top, the executives. The executives are to focus on the goals and directions of the business. They're to speak in terms of outcomes and top projects that drive the executive goals and the direction of the business. Like on a road trip, they provide the points of destination in the GPS. The middle circle is the middle managers. The middle managers are supposed to join the executives and strategize with the executives on the top projects and the direction, but the focus of the middle managers is primarily to organize to collaborate and generate game plans to support the top projects. Like on any road trip, the middle managers are like the GPS, which gives the travelers clear and unified movement. The third circle is the one at the bottom, 
for the frontliners. The frontliners are supposed to give their input on the game plans, but their focus is to implement the game plans as a united front in order to provide excellent service to clients and customers. Like on a road trip, the frontliners are the ones who make the experience a reality and make things happen. When it's all said and done, they're the drivers heeding the GPS directions or not. The fourth step are the problems and issues that will definitely arise, which will challenge the implementation of the game plan. So the frontliners and teams are to identify, collect, and communicate up what is broken and what needs attention by the supervisors and middle managers. Like on a road trip, these problems can be small delays, distraction detours, or it could be major problems. The fifth step is the middle managers and supervisors. They are to regularly review those problems and issues and help fix what is broken. They help determine which problems should be resolved by frontliners, which issues should be fixed by the middle managers, and help resolve problems and provide answers so that the frontliners can better help customers. Six, for the many problems that need executive solutions and approval, the middle managers are to present ongoing proposals, proactively engaging executives for executive approvals. They're to also keep the executives updated and progress reports and the status of various projects. The executives are to act promptly and give answers so problems can be quickly identified and solved. Like on any road trip, the drivers address the major issues. By everyone agreeing that these are the roles of all the travelers, it is more likely that everyone will be focused on the goals of the company and the problems identified from the frontliners are being regularly considered and resolved. This also ensures that problems are being identified and fixed by the right people. The journey becomes more pleasant like this, and it is a lot easier to weather storms as a team. Only then will the company experience stabilized and organized growth. A quick checkup. Here's the question to ask yourself. Are roles clearly defined between executives, managers, and frontliners? Chapter 5. The GPS Roadmaps. We have established that the journey is to reach our corporate goals and address the problems that the frontliners identify. We have also established the roles of the travelers. Now we have to tackle the GPS roadmaps. On a road trip, if we use the right map or GPS as guides, the journey is successful. If we wing it or rarely check the map or the GPS, we fill the journey with confusion, frustration, and unnecessary delays. The same is true in business. If we all get on the same page and regularly guide ourselves by that page, we will create a unified front to implement corporate goals and fix problems. But it's not enough to simply say, hey, everybody, let's get on the same page. That's a worn out cliche offering little direction outside of a vague plea for someone to please get organized or please agree with what I want to do. No, what needs to happen is to actually put a plan, a map onto that page to write things down on that page and regularly guide ourselves by those written documents so we can all truly and sincerely stay on the same page. In other words, those pages have to be printed. Only then can we adjust things as needed and focus everyone's attention. If you don't commit to working from the same written documents, then storming will forever continue to be your reality. If you don't work from the same documents, you will overuse email, chase different versions of the attached files, and hope that hallway conversations will align people, all the while complaining about having so many useless meetings. 
we need to commit to roadmaps and using the same GPS. Here are the basic documents which every team needs on a regular basis to stay focused, organized, and accountable. Samples of each one of these documents can be found in Appendix D or on our website library on Team Rear World On Demand. Number one, the first document, it's called the top projects. This is a two to three page document listing out the 10 or 15 top projects to move the company forward in the next three to nine months. This document is the product of the executive retreat where executives have considered and constructed a strategic plan, recommitting to the company's mission, vision, and values. While this is where executives learn to lead from the top, the top project document must be a collaborative effort between executives and managers. Each project has a short definition, the metrics defining success for that project, one person assigned to being the quarterback of the project, the team members who also participate in this project, and the deadline showing the milestones and completion. The executives have to approve this document and together with the managers present it to the company at the quarterly company meeting, as well as, of course, revisiting it and track, keeping track of and rewarding progress at each quarterly meeting. Executives should focus 90% of their time defining these projects and supporting oversight and implementation while not taking over nor micromanaging the project themselves. The documents outlining the top projects should have the mission, vision, and value of the company in the header or the footer of the document. The second document, the second GPS, if you will, is the game plans. Each project has a game plan, a one to two page document that outlines the project in detail with specific tasks assigned to people or teams within that project with phases as needed, including deadlines for all the tasks and milestones and as needed, of course, a budget to track all costs and profits and losses. The project quarterbacks and teams are to get input from frontline staff, draft each game plan, include the necessary processes or procedures, and present to the executives for final approval before starting the project. If a project that you're working on, for example, needs to start soon, or if the project has already started, then the quarterbacks need to hurry up and draft the game plan so that the project does not continue without a written and approved roadmap. The mark of a great quarterback, a great manager, is to manage their projects from a, from a regularly updated game plan that is reviewed and revisited at the rhythm meetings, which we will cover in the next chapter. The third set of documents is the notes and agendas. Each meeting should be led from a one-page agenda, and each meeting should be followed up with a one-page set of notes from that meeting. The agendas need to be sent out the day before each meeting, and the notes need to be sent out no later than four hours after each meeting. The agendas include the items assigned, the top projects, progress reports on the projects, and new items to discuss. Meeting notes include the items assigned, the items decided, and the items discussed. These notes and agendas are the core documents that keep everyone accountable and make sure that things are moving forward. If things are not moving forward in your company, ask yourself two questions. Number one, first, are the meetings for these projects being run well from well-written notes and agendas? And secondly, is everyone being faithful to follow through with the specific tasks that they agreed to do? In Appendix C, we have included powerful guidelines on how to run meetings more effectively with these roadmaps. The fourth document, or GPS, are the progress reports. Every project needs a one-page report of some kind to track the progress, costs, profits, metrics, and other key performance indicators of that project. These reports can be in Word or Excel or generated from similar instruments or online services, but they have to be kept updated on a weekly or bi-weekly basis, or more frequently as needed. 
These reports are included in their respective meeting agendas and used to make decisions and adjustments, realigning everyone for the next one to two weeks. This is the point of the journey where I hear a lot of complaints. Maurice, really? Are all these written documents necessary? Isn't that too much? I recommend that you start slowly, steadily learning to use the basic documents listed above. Do this for a period of six to 10 months so everyone can get used to the disciplined habit of having great journeys with written roadmaps. This takes a while, so pace yourself. Communicate the changes on the front end. Start small, but stick to the discipline. It will bear fruit. Remember, to grow a business well, you will later need to add other written documents like processes and procedures, training guides, as well as documentation for coaching, correction, and dismissals. But don't go overboard and don't try to implement everything all at once. You'll create unnecessary storms, and this will sour everyone. In summary, getting out of storming is an agreement from the top down that going forward you will definitely have things on paper. You'll assign quarterbacks and team leaders to manage projects better, and everyone is going to learn how to stay on the same page for each individual project. You also are agreeing to meet regularly in a somewhat orderly fashion, to be further explained in one of our next chapters, and you of course will adjust as you go, but you will always check yourselves to make sure you're consistently on the same road with the same map and headed in the same direction. Now, a note on shared documents. These files that we speak of, these top projects, these game plans, these GPS documents that we speak of work best if you place them in your shared network folders with the appropriate level of access rights to the executives, managers, quarterbacks, and team members. Everyone updates the shared documents and everyone agrees to only send each other the link to the updated files. So shared documents are the best way to go because it allows you to align everyone better, increase communication, and you'll see which team members are managing projects well and which ones need support or more mentoring or training. Now, which shared document platform should you use? You can go with SharePoint or Microsoft Solutions, Google Drive, or any other online system with enough security and protection, or you can use your internal network file structure, but whichever one you choose, our recommendation is that you discontinue using individual standalone files that people share with each other from their own individual computers or that they share with each other as email attachments. The reason being is these attachments create deep discontinuity between versions of the document and it can, it can even be a real time wasting because it, it erases large portions of work that others have done on that same document. This is what it means to get on the same page. You have to be on the same page. There needs to be an actual page that is firm. Without a page governing activities, you will stay storming. So a quick checkup set of questions to ask yourself at this point is, do we really operate from written documents? Do we work from shared documents? Chapter six. Building the highway. Now that we have defined the journey, we've agreed on everyone's roles in the journey, and we have committed ourselves to working from written documents, we can start building the actual communication highway. This highway is the flow of communication and collaboration from the top of the organization to the managers, to the front lines, and back up from the front lines to the managers and up to the executives. It is the core infrastructure that keeps everyone aligned and headed in the same direction. So what is the highway and how do you build it? Well, the highway has two components, the rhythm pit stops and the walk around implementation. 
So let's talk about the pit stops. The pit stops are always formal meetings. The walk around implementation can be both formal and informal. So let's discuss the rhythm pit stops. These are the key meetings that need to be set up where the travelers convene and regroup, revisit, discuss, debate, collaborate, decide, and execute all the goals and all the projects, all the ideas and tasks and problems and solutions of the journey. It's where teams talk about the whole of the business, where they review the top projects, report on progress, and deliver on assignments. It's where everyone participates in a professional discussion and where they learn to have crucial conversations with each other so they can move things forward. It's where everyone comes out saying the same thing, committed to the same game plans, committed to the same decisions, aware of the same timelines, and supporting the same decisions. Rhythm meetings are where everyone is formally managed from the updated roadmaps. Now, here are the basic set of rhythm pit stops that should be set up in your company. They're all different from company to company, but these are the basic guidelines. Each meeting has its own note taker to help with all the notes and agendas. The first one is the company huddle. These are weekly, positive, informative huddles, meetings, where executives and managers update everyone, praise performance, discuss trends, and rekindle everyone's vision to the goals of the company. It's a very positive event. The next one is the executives only. These are the weekly rhythms where executives discuss all projects in the top projects document and even those projects on their own executive top projects with each other. Those are the projects that need to be handled only by executives that may or not eventually make their way down to the top projects of the managers. At every week, the executives meet together in these meetings. And at every other week, the executives invite managers to come up and report to top projects to the executives and make presentations when needed. The next meeting is the managers with and without the executives. These are weekly meetings where the managers and quarterbacks review and regroup on all top projects, collaborate on all game plans and decisions for those projects, and regularly agree on the implementation, accountability, and executive reporting. Every other week, the managers would invite the executives to sit through the whole meeting, join the discussion, participate in the conversations, and assist with the decisions. At least once per month, the managers invite the supervisors, other team leaders, and frontliners to make presentations, to report on problems, or just to come and watch and learn how to have great cross-departmental meetings. The next type of meeting that should always happen is your is independent meetings between key certain departments. In every company, there are two or three departments that need to meet on a more regular basis than other departments. These meetings are crucial because they determine a lot of what the other departments need, even though these meetings do not need to have all department presence. In some companies, for example, it may be a meeting between sales, engineering, and quality control. In another company, it may be a meeting between IT and programming. In other companies, it may be between sales and programming. These are different meetings based on the company and how the teams collaborate on top projects. You'd have to tailor these for your specific scenario. The next set of meetings are the managers and their staff. Every manager needs to have a regular rhythm pit stop meeting with their whole team, with their individual team members, and daily huddles as needed. These are the meetings where the managers dissect the implementation of goals and projects and where they discuss in detail the problems that have arose, the solutions that need to be implemented by the team, or the things that need to be resolved with other departments or escalated or advocated up to the executives. These meetings between managers and their staff is where the frontliners have the most amount of influence in the company. Why? Because they listen to the customers, they talk amongst each other, they propose new processes, collect new problems that may need attention from other departments or from the executives. The managers 
usually say they don't have time for weekly meetings because they don't have a lot to discuss with frontliners. But these meetings are crucial with the staff. It's where managers can get the most up-to-date details on how the projects are going and how the journey is going and a feel for the culture and what's happening. These rhythm pit stops that we've discussed between the managers and frontliners are the ones that should happen all the time on a consistent basis. Now, let's talk a little bit about overseeing meetings. Other meetings may be needed on a project-by-project -project basis or on a temporary basis or may need to be one-off meetings. Still, all meetings exist to ensure the top projects are healthy and properly executed. On a quarterly basis, executives should ask for a report from all managers on the meetings they're having. These reports should include the purpose of the meeting, the frequency, the team members participating, and what those meetings have produced and accomplished. These executives should visit all the meetings at least once per quarter, perhaps even attending meetings unannounced to ensure proper availability and oversight. The directors of operations or the CEO should also be attending all the key meetings to ensure that everyone is on the same page. In Appendix B in the book, we show how Steve Jobs helped the COOs and the directors and managers of his company to ensure that they were aligned from meeting to meeting. The COO should ensure that there are no bad meetings. What is walk-around implementation? This is the other component of the highway. Walk-around implementation happens both formally and informally once everyone comes out of their respective rhythm pit stop meetings. Everyone goes to their respective teams promptly to announce the updated game plans and discuss, organize, brainstorm, and dissect how to implement that plan. The walk-around discussions also collect feedback from others, plan how to train employees, and decide how to deliver excellent service to client and customers. This walk-around that happens by the managers happens every day in order to create real progress, ensure successful implementation, quickly identify and report problems, and even help create the meeting agendas for the following week. Everyone focuses on following through on their tasks and everyone waits until the next meeting to bring up any projects. However, if there are any emergencies or other urgent issues with, which threaten the progress and the deadlines of any existing projects, it must be brought up immediately without waiting for any formal pit stops or any kind of meetings whatsoever. Here, I must give a brief word to the directors of operations and the COOs. Get your organizational chart out and keep it updated. Ensure it is updated and published and new every three months. Use it to determine when to schedule rhythm pit stop meetings and make sure each group employee and employees have a weekly or bi-weekly meeting where they can talk with their supervisors and managers, both in staff settings and individual meetings. Now, take no shortcuts. At this point, both CSUN and new players in the workforce quickly tell me that such a disciplined approach of rhythm pit stop meetings are not really necessary because, man, Maurice, after all, we talk all the time. There's a serious misunderstanding that informal chatter is the same as healthy collaboration. That being operational means being organized. That type of talk in which they're referring to that we don't have time to meet or we talk all the time anyway is the informal, inconsistent type of hallway discussions and behind closed door meetings. Some informal touches, of course, are important and may need to happen from time to time, but an over-dependence on informal chatter does not produce the same level of true collaboration and clear communication needed for team and corporate alignment. However, if all chatter and all hallway conversations and informal discussions are happening to help provide better alignment at the rhythm meetings, then it is, of course, healthy and good. 
It's not an either or option. Good communication requires both the informal and the formal, as long as both types of communication exist to align and update the roadmaps, the top projects, the game plans, the progress reports, and the documents you've agreed to govern yourself by. Here's a good quote from Steve Jobs. We meet every week to talk about all that we're doing, and we have great teamwork at the top of the company, which filters down to a great teamwork throughout the company. That's the purpose of an aligned culture. Chapter 7, Staying the Course. Maurice, what about personality differences? When do you conduct a SWOT analysis? When should we move into a Six Sigma or another industry standard model? What about different styles of decision-making and meetings? Also, what about conflict management and how to hire awesome employees? What about forming and publishing the organizational chart? See, all of these things are definitely important parts of having a great journey. And we need to address all these in separate publications. But the disciplines that we've presented in this book here are the essential ones that will provide you the safeguards and the structure to get out of storming and onto the next level. As you make progress with and master the disciplines presented in this book, you can layer on top other skills and other elements. The one thing to keep in mind is this. If the executives and managers are aligning every week, and if everyone works from the same roadmaps, then everything else is possible. Why? Because you will have built and will know how to safeguard the structure in which your teams will collaborate, accomplish anything you set out to do. But if the rhythm meetings break down and everyone reverts back to working from different or no written documents, then everything's going to be jeopardized and you'll soon be stuck and storming all over again. Your goals will suffer. Your problems will go unresolved and it will be much more difficult to get back to alignment and growth. Keeping routine is definitely difficult, but it is vitally important to your growth. Hang these final thoughts on your rearview mirror so you don't easily forget them. First, when you start growing again, expect more and sometimes bigger storms to appear. It's a law of business nature. More growth generates more problems, which generate more growth and more storms. In a growing company, storming is inevitable. These tools in this book and the disciplines we presented will definitely help you minimize the storming and get to the next level of growth. Secondly, Drop the attitude and approach that says, man, you know what? People just need to get along and get to work. That's neither true management nor good leadership. People will only get along when managers and executives facilitate an environment where ideas can flourish, problems can be openly discussed, and everyone as a single team supports the decisions being made. Your role as an executive and manager is to set up and facilitate that environment by using and mastering the tools and disciplines we've outlined in this book. Third, be ready for the dip. When any team begins to realign, it will likely stir a new set of tensions, discouragements, and disagreements. This is normal, so don't lose heart. Journey through this together and get aligned. It's on the other side of this dip where you'll find the next level of growth. This is not easy. No great journey worth taking ever is, but it pays off. This will help you better train your new hires on how you face challenges and solutions as a team. You will stimulate growth and you will build great leaders throughout the company when you do this. Your clients and customers will notice the difference. So will your corporate reputation. To close, I'll leave you with four guiding principles. Do this as a team. Keep the disciplines. Be patient with one another. As you mess up, don't give up. And of course, be realistic about your degree of storming. Appendix A provides a storming for self-assessment. 
You can find it on our website on www.teamyourworld.com. Just click on the tab that says the book and you'll find self-assessment. In Appendix B, it shows a conversation that Steve Jobs discussed where he presented a similar model. It was a recording in 2010 where he was the keynote speaker at the D8 conference. This hour and a half interview is a journey into Steve's outlook on Apple, the industry and its approaches to building great companies. In Appendix C, we cover guidelines and meetings, notes and agendas, which you can read by downloading the PDF of this book from our website. In Appendix D, we show you the sample documents, which we've discussed all throughout the book. Again, you can go to teamerworld.com and click online to subscribe. We show you a copy of the templates and of course, sample documents. Let's go back to Appendix B, Disciplines and Routines. In 2010, Steve Jobs was one of the keynote speakers at the D8 conference. This one hour and a half interview is a journey into Steve's outlook on Apple, the industry and its approach to building great companies. However, there's a two and a half minute snapshot of that conversation, which is fascinating. The following is a recording of that two and a half minute conversation where he summarizes how to manage teams with rhythm meetings and great teamwork. Well, here is two and a half minutes and that will close the book. Here's a transcript of Steve Jobs, what he said, and how he followed a similar model in leading and managing great teams. One of the keys to Apple is Apple's an incredibly collaborative company. And so, you know how many committees we have at Apple? No. Zero. We have no committees. No committees. We are, a ver we are organized like a startup. One person's in charge of iPhone OS software. One person's in charge of Mac hardware. One person's in charge of iPhone hardware engineering. Another person's in charge of worldwide marketing. Another person's in charge of operations. It's, we're organized like a startup. We're the biggest startup on the planet. And we all meet for three hours once a week and we talk about everything we're doing, the whole business. And there's tremendous teamwork at the top of the company, which filters down to tremendous teamwork throughout the company. And teamwork is dependent on trusting the other folks to come through with their part without watching them all the time, but trusting that they're going to come through with their parts. And that's what we do really well. And we're great at figuring out how to divide things up into these great teams that we have and all work on the same thing touch bases frequently, and bring it all together into a product. We do that really well. And so what I do all day is meet with teams of people and work on ideas and solve problems to make new products, to make new marketing programs, whatever it is. And are people willing to tell you you're wrong? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, other than snarky journalists. I mean, people have oh, worked Oh, yeah. For no, we have wonderful arguments. And do you win them all? Or? Oh, no. I wish I did. <laughs> oh, see, you can't. <laughs> if you want to hire great people and have them stay working for you, you have to let them make a lot of decisions, and you have to, you have to be run by ideas, not hierarchy. The best ideas have to win. So, Otherwise, good people don't stay. But you must be more than a facilitator who runs meetings. You obviously contribute your own ideas. I contribute ideas, sure. Well, I, why would I be there if I didn't? 
Thank you for listening to Journeying Beyond the Storm, a traveling guide for executives and managers by Maurice Velasquez and published by Team Real World Press. You can download a copy of this book by going to our website at teamrealworld.com and clicking on the tab titled The Book.